I want to invite you to go in your worship guides because the scripture that I will be reading is out of the, it's there and it's out of the tiny epistle of 1 John. You know that John, the apostle John, is credited by writing the gospel, writing three little universal letters. They're called universal letters because they just floated around all the place. 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. <gasps> Look at this. Families here, we love to see them. And that uh, dancing and the babies. And uh, also, he's credited for, for developing the corpus or the document called Revelations or the Apocalypse in, in, in other languages. So he was a prolific writer, and the themes that he developed in the gospel, the themes of life, the themes of light, the themes of, of belief, and the whole idea that, that the writings, that the corpus, the document of John had one purpose— had the purpose for all of us to, number one, know and understand that Jesus is the Christ and the Messiah. That, number two, He is the Son of God. And that by believing in Him, we will have the power of life. That's the purpose of the Gospel of John. So we have uh, uh, scoured some of that. And so those themes not only are found in the gospel, but if you were curious enough to spill over to the little simple little letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you will find the integrity of his theology, the integrity of his thinking in those books also. That is why, even though we are in the middle of the study of the gospel of John, I have spilled over and looked into 1st John 5, 1 through 11, because it summarizes the whole argument whether Jesus is the Son of God or not. Last week, we were discussing whether Jesus was the Messiah, was the Christ. And we concluded that in order for a person to have been the Messiah, he needed to have been sent by God. And we discussed that widely. This person needed to be one with God. And the person also needed to be the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So this week, I would like to deal with the idea of the Son of God. If last week we concluded that Jesus is the Christ, how about dealing today with the Son of God? You want to go there? You want to deal with that this morning? Let's go in. Let's go in there then. Jesus being the Son of God. The idea of the Son of God, there are two terms which are used by the, by, the, by the gospel writers, many terms to refer to Jesus, but many of them, we, we hear Son of Man and Son of God. Well, let me distinguish them so that we can separate them. Son of God refers to God's, to Jesus' divinity. Son of Man refers to Jesus' humanity. The Son of Man died on the cross. The Son of God rose from the grave. See the difference? So uh, uh, in, in those days also, and in the Old Testament literature, the concept of son of God was also related to the servant of God. Amen. The son of God was also related to the servant of God. So you could also in the Old Testament translate, when you see the servant of the Lord, you could say the son of the Lord. Because children were servants. And the Jewish religion had adopted that idea, that concept, that a son is also a bearer of the Father's attributes and glories. That's what it is. 
So a servant. Now, Jesus is the servant of God in the fact that he was the Lamb of God, and he died for our sin. So that is a servant. He came not to serve himself, but to serve humanity. So that is Jesus the servant. But as the Son of God, he's the one that performs the miracles. That, but is he the Son of God? That's the question. My argument this morning is because Jesus may be the Son of God, and this may be will change as we go. And if we are in Christ, then the conclusion must be that we are children of God. You follow the logic? If Jesus is the Son of God, and we are in Jesus, then we are children of God. Hmm. So God who sent Jesus acknowledges and testifies. So listen to the word as I'm going to preach, as I'm going to read it from John, 1 John 5, 1 through 11. And I want you to listen to, to, the, to the three concepts. Pay attention to every time we, we hear the concept of son or children, Christ, and belief. Next week, we're going to get deeper in the concept of belief. Okay? Listen to and for the word of the Lord. Everyone who believes, here we go, that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Okay, parenthesis. What are the commandments of the Lord? Love the Lord, your God, yourself, and your neighbor. In this one, you fulfill the entire law, says Jesus. So let's stick to that. Okay, let's not go to doing this and not doing that. No, 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 no. It's about that. For every child of God, now listen to the term. I, I want you because the, the Greek, the English gives us an idea that this has already happened. Or it's happening in your life right now. It's not something that's going to happen when we die. It's not something that's going to happen when we get holier. But it's something that's happened already and we are to Embrace that reality. Listen how John puts it. For every child of God defeats this world already. And we achieve a victory through our faith. It doesn't say, and we're going to achieve. It says, we achieve a victory through, his, through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ has revealed, was revealed as God's Son by His baptism in water and by the shedding of His blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood and the Spirit. Here comes the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with His testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, the blood. All three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greatest testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about His Son. All who believe in the Son of God know, their, know in their hearts that this is the testimony, that this testimony is true. 
Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in the Son. Thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Scriptures tell us in, in, in many, many ways that Jesus is the Son of God. In the first few uh, um, moments of the Gospel of John, the first one who calls Jesus the Son of God is Nathaniel. Nathaniel is has an interaction with Jesus. He sees the amazement, memory perhaps, the, the wonder and the miracle within Jesus, who Jesus is, the mystery of Jesus, and he calls him the Son of God. Then Jesus, according to, to the Gospels, he goes into the wilderness, right? To the temptations. And every single one of the temptations, the devil refers to Jesus as, if you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. So there is that challenge, and Jesus does not take that challenge, but he confirms that he's the Son of God by his own life, that he is going to live, not by the things and the little trivial little show of things that Satan wanted him to do to prove that he was the Son of God. Then Jesus leaves the, the, the wilderness and goes to do what? To get baptized. This is the reading that Golda read to get baptized by John the Baptist, not the Presbyterian, John the Baptist. So he goes to the river and he gets baptized by John the Baptist, not the Presbyterian. And suddenly all three Gospels, including this fourth one, allude to the idea that the skies, I love Mark's description. Mark says, and the skies ripped open. Well, Matthew says, and the skies unfolded. Eh, I like Mark ripping open, and a voice from heaven came down saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Not only did that happen during Jesus' baptism, but one moment in the gospel of Luke, he goes away with the disciples, John, James, and Peter, and they are in this mount, and suddenly the glory of Jesus comes out, is revealed to them. We call it the moment of the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus' glory is revealed. And then he's shown with Moses and Elijah. And the disciples are, wow, what is that? They have seen the glory of God manifested. But not only did they see that, but the clouds opened up, and a voice from heaven said again, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And this time, the gospel writer adds, listen to him. So by God's own testimony, by God's own supernatural revelation, God God's self is proclaiming that Jesus is the son of God. Amazingly and interestingly, not only did Jesus realize that he was the son of God, but also the demons Reacted to Jesus as the Son of God. The Gospels tells us that when Jesus approached, they would screech <laughs> and say something like, What do you want with us, Son of God? 
they always referred as Jesus the Son of God. Not only did the, 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 the demons refer to Jesus as the Son of God, but also disciples in several moments referred to him as the Son of God. In the birth of Jesus, we have the angels announcing another testimony from heaven that this baby that's born in, the, in this manger is the Son of God. Disciples recognize his sonship. Peter, Mary, Nathaniel, and others. In, in John 19, close to the moment where Jesus is going to be uh, uh, arrested, the Jews are planning and are finding their logic on how to politicize Jesus' actions so that they're not responsible of killing him, but the politics, the, the Roman uh, white supremacists, I guess, they're European, white, right? So the white supremacists, Italian takeovers of Palestine, we're going to do with Jesus. John 19, 17 says, we find the Jewish leaders were arguing amongst themselves. By our law, he ought to die because he called himself the Son of God. How dare he? But if Jesus is the Son of God and we are in Jesus, then we are children of God. Follow that logic? Do you think it makes sense? Let's see what Paul says, because if we are, if Jesus is the Son of God, then we are, in, and if we are in Jesus, then we are the children of God. Now, Galatians, Paul writes, is one of the very early writings of the church. We think that First Thessalonians was first, and then Galatians, and then Mark. Uh, but in Galatians, we find Paul arguing, for you are all children of God. Oh. Through faith in Christ. Notice that he doesn't say through faith in Jesus. And remember what I said that Christ was not a, a, his second name. It was not a, a nickname. And it was not a terms of endearment. It was a title that was given to him and he claimed. So if you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus... And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of God. Praise be to God. Now, Paul repeats the same idea in, in, in Ephesians by saying, and this is God's plan. God had a plan? And this is God's plan? Oh, yeah. That both Jews and Gentiles who believe the good news share equally in the riches Inherited. By the way, this is the text that during the Reformation created the whole concept that everyone was equal in the sight of God. And thus, everyone should be treated equal in the sight of the government, assuming the government was from God. You see? But this was that text. And this is God's plan, that both Jews and Gentiles who believe the good news share equally in the riches, of, in the riches inherited by God's children. 
Both are part of the same body. Both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ. And the amazing thing is that even though we belong to Christ, we don't always know what that means. We don't always know what that means. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, we find this summary of what really has happened in all the other 21 chapters. We find it says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right, another version says, the power to become children of God. Now, okay, we are children of God. That's wonderful. My question is, what for? What's the big deal? We know the benefits of salvation, eternal assurance, the fruit of the Spirit. We call on them and we try to work them out, which we're not supposed to, but that's the way we do it. We know the promises of God. We have a home, a family, you know, that we call the church, a fellowship where we call each other sisters and brothers. But what for? Why? What do you think God called us to be his children? What is the purpose of being a child of God? What, why have we been called for? What are we to do with this childship identity? Why has God brought us and made us a kinship, a family, and God's children through Christ? Why are we brothers and sisters of Jesus, the Son of God? God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as of the Father. But what for? I'm going to invite you now to Join us in your worship, guys, as we proclaim our faith, as we proclaim the Nicene Creed as our faith, as the basic Christian beliefs that brings us together, that makes us one. It is found in your worship guide if you were to be so kind to follow along. Let us hear what we believe. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man and crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory 
to judge the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins and a look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I want to invite you to this moment, if you have any prayer concern, just bring them to memory. If you would like to pray for someone who is sick and ill, bring him or her to memory. If you know of someone who needs the touch of God, bring her or him to memory. And together, let's present them before the Lord as we ourselves present boldly before the throne of grace. Dear Creator and Parent of all, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, the one we know as the Christ, our Savior and Lord. Teach us to recognize the amazing privilege, the amazing power, and yes, the amazing responsibilities as your children in Christ. You have called us to become a new people. You have called us to make every effort to maintain the unity in the bond of the Spirit. You have called us out of darkness to the light of your glory. You have called us to bring hope to the hopeless, peace to the anxious, faith to unbelief, love to the unlovable, and justice to the oppressed. Help us to become aware when we persecute other Christians because of their color, poverty, or because they are seeking a better life for their, themselves and their children. Help us to treat others as we would like them to treat us. Help us to defend the weak, the vulnerable, the rejected. Help us to recognize that we are all your children, your beloved ones and part of a community of the beloved. Lord, we pray for those in our community who are ill, who are sick, who are infirm. May your hand of healing be upon them. We pray for the church and all of its diverse worldwide expressions. We pray for our community our first responders, our medical, educational, and business communities around us. And we pray for this little expression of your body called Light of Hope. Continue to bless us, continue to draw us closer to you so that we can make a difference in this community. But above all, we thank you for Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, who taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.